Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. Coming to you live from the studios here in Grace FM uh, in Aurora, Colorado. Grace FM is two stations, one here in the metro area of Denver and the other down in Colorado Springs, 89.7 up here, 101.7 down in the Springs. We're grateful that you joined us. You're also listening live on the Radio by Grace Network, 78 stations across the country from Georgia to Texas, South Carolina, and on. Welcome. And then Hope FM is five stations covering New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Hope FM, Truth FM, one station covering Tennessee and North Carolina, Higher Rock Radio in Meridian, Idaho, also Living Water in Corpus Christi, Texas. 303-690-3000 is the number. Taking your calls and your questions this afternoon. 303-690-3000. Or text me, 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. That's texting only, and the text line is open. So I'm looking at it right now, and it's empty. So be the first one to text. Be the first one to call, 303-690-3000. Hey, as we're waiting for some calls to come in, I don't see any lines lighting up yet. So as we're waiting, I want to remind you of a few things. First of all, I'm back in the pulpit today. Just got back into town from New Jersey. Uh, Actually, I went from Washington State to New Jersey, and then uh, I went from Washington back here, from here to New Jersey, then back here. Uh, And I had a great time with a group of pastors in Washington State up in the Pacific Northwest. And then I went to uh, New Jersey to do a men's uh, breakfast and Sunday services at Cornerstone Church in Howe, uh, New Jersey. Uh, and what a great time. I, I am uh, traveling to churches right now. I have a Bible study I'm sharing on being free from your past, which is the title of my latest book. And I'm sure you guys know that already, um, but I wrote a book called Free from Your Past, Learning to Live the Life You've Always Wanted. Uh, and it t- tackles tough topics. Uh, which seems to be the ministry that I've been called to. Uh, It tackles uh, topics like anger, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, regrets, condemnation, uh, beating yourself up, um, who you are in Christ, those types of things. Um, You're going to learn what condemnation is, uh, what conviction of the Holy Spirit is, uh, how freedom comes through forgiveness, um, these bo- this book is available at calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store, uh, and, and wherever you get books. But remember um, that 
this particular resource through Abounding Grace, uh, all the net proceeds go to ministry. Um, and that means at the end of the year, we give our, um, we give our missionaries an extra check. Uh, so pick it up. Uh, get one for yourself and for others. It's the sixth book uh, that I have written. Let me just see real. Um, I have God's Help for the Troubled Heart, which is a book I wrote um, near the just recently, you know, a few years after my son passed away. Um, and it's not a book about my son uh, or my family story. It's a book about God. It's called God's Help for the Troubled Heart. And it's intended to help people going through very difficult things, heavy, heavy duty things, looking at different people in the Bible that God helped. So whatever reason your heart is troubled, it could be grief, it could be job loss, it could be any type of pain. That's the book. And then I wrote a book called Sure and Steady. This is pastoral discipleship, elders, pastors, key leaders. I wrote a book called Ordinary Servants, uh, which is basic... Um, this is a, a tool to go through if you want to learn how to serve the Lord better. I also wrote a little mini book called Face Your Fear, uh, Learning to Trust God in Scary Times. Uh, that was a pandemic book, but it's not a pandemic book. It was written during that time, but it's helped you, you know, there's rational fear, irrational fear. And then the final one, mini book, you will make it through. And that is for those that, those of you that just don't think you're going to make it because it's so hard. Uh, and this, I, you know, when you're new believers, when you're a new believer, you go through trials like this, you you know, as a quick, uh, definite beginning, then it, it resolves itself, and then you move on and give a testimony. Like, you know, as a new believer, I'm on my way to church, I saw a guy um, on the side of the road with a flat tire, I pulled over, and man, when you believe it, God just provided air for the tire, and and we were able to help, and I prayed for the brother, and he's at church tonight. Look, and uh, we're like, yes, or you know, something where there was a beginning, a real quick res- middle, it was resolved, and then ending. But then, as you get older in the Lord, you learn that trials have a beginning, but sometimes they have a long middle, and they don't get resolved so quickly. And it's in the long middle that I wrote this pamphlet, this mini book, we call it, that you're going to make it through. The Lord's going to help you. So this is my sixth book, Free From Your Past. Pick it up wherever you get books. The Lord will use it in your life. Um, Everywhere I'm taking it, uh, it is either selling out or close to selling out. So um, it's just one of those things the Lord's going to use. I was just telling my producer, Kevin, today, who also is our station manager, um, like this, it's, it's something, it's hitting a nerve at the timing of the Lord. It's, it's addressing an issue to help people move forward in these last days, free from your past. All right. We're going to head over to Memphis, Tennessee. Gary, welcome to the program. Good evening, pastor. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Well, I, I could be doing a lot better if I wasn't traveling. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I that's all right. I, I didn't tell the screener. While you're on the east side of town, I used to live in Lakewood, and I went to Applewood. And oh, I'm not trying to great church. You know, promote. I'm not trying to promote them, but I'm just saying I used to used to go there. And I'll be honest with that's where I got my. Can I just say rekindling? Oh yeah. And and that I wasn't where I needed to be, 
and I begin to see a light flicker. If that does yes, that make sense? It does. You know, and I, Applewood. I remember that brother. I forget it. What was the pastor's name? Well, when I was there, it was Phil Hassenfiller, and okay. I know I'm butchering it, but so there was a that, guy after that. Um, yes, on the radio for many years. He is no longer there. There is now a young guy that I just met who took over uh, there. And they've just always done a tremendous work of the Holy Spirit on that side of town. So uh, yeah. Applewood is a great church, and they're, they got a brand new leadership over there. God's doing a new thing. Awesome. Well, if I can, let me just kind of ease into my question. I'm. I, we, we were talking about in our Sunday school class, we were talking about the fifth commandment, fifth commandment, but that wasn't how it started, Sabbath and keeping it holy. And then we got to the fifth commandment, and it is a fifth commandment. We, we understand that. But as Christians, I'm taught that we worship, as I told your screener, we worship on a Sunday, right? So our, our Jewish brothers and sisters, whether they're Messianic or not, they worship on Saturday. But what does a person do if he's emergency response, emergency response person, you know, sure. a military, a policeman, an ambulance, a doctor that's having to work at the hospital? Yeah. Well, we we understand the statement, I, but what are we supposed to do for those who have to work? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Of course. Well, the good news is, 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 is we live—I'm going to give you a very easy, quick answer to this, but we live in the New Covenant, and according okay. to the New Covenant, Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. He is our Sabbath rest. So by faith, we're honoring that commandment every day of the week. We're honoring God in hallowing that day or that moment. Jesus, He is superseded. Uh, the old covenant and replaced it with the new. So by faith in him and his blood that was shed, we are keeping the Sabbath in the the direction in the heart of, of God the Father in Exodus 20 uh, by, by abiding in Christ and being in him. But to further clarify, Paul would put it this way, the Holy Spirit would put it this way. I think we make I think we make it we make a grave error when we associate the Sabbath with a particular day of rest, like or a day of worship, like honoring God on the day that we worship, because the idea of the Sabbath uh, gives a pattern of God. He worked for six days and he rested on the other, and in that day of rest, there was an honoring that was taking place. Um, it wasn't like a cease of activity or a cease of work. It's not like God let the world go away when he when he rested on the seventh day. So we learn from the principle that a day that hallows him, um, a day that honors him, a day that respects that pattern and that rhythm of six days work, one day rest, is carried on in the New Testament by faith. So that now the day in which we worship, I mean if if somebody if you just called if you just call with a simple question and didn't give any preference to it, preface to it, and you just said, hey, Pastor, hey, Ed, what day do we worship on? My answer would be every day. Every day okay. is a worship day unto God. Um, and here's how Paul put it. The Holy Spirit put it through Paul. He says, one person esteems one day above another, and another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. 
And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. And he goes on to explain it, because no one lives to himself or dies to himself. Well, it, it, exactly. And if I may, we I brought that up in our class, and, and then I was kind of, kind of shot down in a way. I said, no, our, our day is Sunday. I'm like, well, n- no, I, I, I get that. That's the day we as Christians recognize uh, a Sabbath. That we, we do, if, you, if I can use this term, corporate. We do corporate um, worship. And, and then we get to the issue, well, when the pastor is leading us, is he working or is he worshiping? And I'm like, well, I don't know. You got me on that one. Well, I, I think that you could say with that particular question, both. I think that is, it is a labor of love when we're there on Sunday, and, and you know whether it's the teaching pastor or the people that are support staff or um, you know the people that— um, not even in the church, you know, that the church's function is requiring people to work at the cable company to keep the lines open so the life feed can work. I like, this is what the Pharisees did. They broke things down to the minutia and tried yeah. to define things that were really undefinable. And it is true, the early church set a pattern, and we follow that pattern today. They didn't set an absolute. They They set a pattern, and that was that they gathered together on the first day of the week. Right, right. But let's not read anything into that. It doesn't say that's the only day that they gathered. It doesn't say that's the only day to have a corporate worship. It doesn't even say necessarily on each of the gatherings how many people were there or the exact order of service or whether they were in a house or in a building or under a tree. But I say all that to say that there are things that are debatable that we could read into the text, but the text doesn't actually say, and there is no text that reserves a particular day as the only acceptable day to worship God, but rather every day is the acceptable day to worship God. And we have Saturday night service here, so if people want to make Saturday a big deal, here we are. We meet Saturday nights. If <laughs> Sunday, and then we have midweek Bible study. Today's Wednesday. We'll we'll have Bible study today, and then there'll be small groups throughout the week so that 10 or 20 people are meeting in a home. That's a church service. Like So that whenever the saints get together, it's a good thing. And we keep the Sabbath by faith in Jesus Christ because the Bible declares Jesus to be our Sabbath rest, and he has fulfilled uh. it all. So, so, all right, so let me see if I can bring this back to you. So Sabbath could literally be any day, because if we're followers in Jesus Christ, we get our rest in Him. Yes, we do need to recognize a day, but it doesn't have to be Saturday. It doesn't have to be Sunday. It's a day, as, as they all, all the days are His days but we do need to rest in him and give him worship. Yeah, I think in the in the old covenant we need to identify in Exodus chapter 20 that what we what we refer to today as Saturday um the seventh day of the week, not the first day of the week, which is Sunday, but the last day of the week would technically be the Sabbath day. And right. that is the day that's recognized. However, However, we cross a line when we then say that the only way to keep the Sabbath is that's the day to worship 
Yeah. Uh, and it's not. It was a day of rest. Mm. And Jesus Christ is our rest. I, I I think that now that you've helped me to understand, we get our rest because Jesus says to us, to, and I'm going to paraphrase it, take upon my yoke for my way is easy. Yes, he, when he's your... When he's your when Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, when you and I were born again men, then all that is Jesus is ours. He, Amen. We are hidden—excuse <clears throat> me, I need to get some water. We are hidden <laughs> in Christ, and we where, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, so that we have the freedom to observe any day under the Lord— if someone says, well, I, I, I celebrate the Sabbath by worshiping seven days a week, great. We should yeah. be worshiping seven days a week. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right about that. And there is a principle that we can't neglect, and that is our bodies are meant to rest. So that there is a principle, and in our country, in the U.S., we get a 5-2 model, um, yeah. typically. Uh, and then for those that travel and those that work on weekends, I work nights and weekends for many years, I mean, I still work weekends, I guess you could say, Saturday and Sunday. Um, right. But I also worship. Like, it's not—my work is under the Lord, um, and I can I can work on that day and observe the Lord, uh, just like anyone can work on that day and still observe the Lord, because my rest is found in Christ, not in merely my physical position of my body. Excellent. Thank you, Pastor. I really appreciate it. Okay, God bless you, brother. To to get past the hurdle. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Jose here in Denver. Welcome to the program. Hey, Jose, are you there? All right, you had a question about the Star of David. Where did it come from? Um, There's no reference to the Star or Shield of David in the Bible, uh, even though there are a lot of rabbinical uh, tales to its origin. um, The different points of view range from the Star taking the shape of King David's shield to being the symbol on King Solomon's signet, signet ring. Uh, on to being an invention of Bar Kokhba, I'm reading to you from an article, the Jewish leader who who led what is known as the Bar Kokhba revolt against the Roman Empire in AD 132. It's two intertwined triangles, one pointing up to God, the other pointing down to man, symbolizing the relationship between the two, the interpretation of two realms. Six points are said by Rosenweig, to represent two triads, creation, revelation, redemption, along with God, Israel, and the Gentile world. They date finding this signal or this symbol, uh, archaeological archaeological finds uh, that have this sign on a Jewish tombstone dates back to the 3rd century, and it's also been found on a wall in the 6th century synagogue. All right, we got wide open lines, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Thank you, Kevin. The former pastor at Applewood was Dr. Calvin Whitman. Dr. Calvin Whitman faithfully 
uh, serving the community for many, many years. I remember hearing him on one of the other stations here in Denver called KRKS. Um, I would listen to him. I just happened to be, this was before Grace FM, Grace FM was invented, uh, and I would listen to him when he was on. I think he was on uh, in the afternoons, if I remember correctly, uh, but it's been a while. 303-690-3000. Kevin wants me to give you a shout out to the streaming listener in Australia and Queensland. Uh, Welcome to the program. I'm glad that you're listening to us. And of course, we know that there are people streaming all over the country, all over the world on the other stations. And we want to welcome you guys as well. We're back in Bible study tonight. We're going to finish up chapter 41. I titled our Bible study tonight, from the valley to the mountaintop, I think something like that, where valleys turn into mountaintops. And God is faithful. Nothing is lost. Nothing is wasted. God is working all things together for the good. Joseph's life is an example of that. We read things theologically, but now we get to enjoy it anthropologic, anthropologically, uh, anthropologic, uh, if I'm saying that right. We get to see it lived out in a person. Uh, and... Joseph's life serves as an encouragement to us, um, and we receive that. 303-690-3000. Over to Marilyn. Vieira, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Hi. Hi. So my question was um, about the Himalayan salt lamp. Okay. My son says that they promote evil. And um, I just can't find in the Bible where that states anything like that. I can't either. I guess we'd have to go a little bit deeper. Is your son there? No, he's not. I'd like to hear what his point of view is. I haven't heard that before. Um, I don't know. Can I see if I can uh, reach him? Uh, you can. I'm, I'm looking on the Internet right now, which can be reliable or not reliable, and here's, here's a quick article, and I'm not giving credence to it, but I've never heard this before, uh, but somebody suggests that Himalayan salt lamps are a part of occult objects that should have no place in the home. Um, but I don't, uh, I don't understand why they might be occultic. Um, um, I'm not, I don't know. Um, why, do you have one? Oh, you must have put me on hold. I'm going to keep talking. Hello? There you are. Did you get your yeah, son on the line? I, no, I was okay. trying to get him on the line. All right. um, I couldn't reach him, unfortunately. So let me ask you a question. Do you have one? Well, I, I was just wondering if um, it was possible. Yeah, I don't know. Um, certainly, there can be, if... There, there, there can definitely be objects that are occultic, yes. There can definitely be objects that are used in occultic rituals, yes. But buying a Himalayan salt lamp on Amazon, I, I don't know. I've never heard this before, so I don't want to say anything out loud. Like, I don't know. Um, I don't know what it is other than um, a big hunk of salt with a light in it. So I don't... I'm I'm ignorant to this. Your your son is sharing something I've never heard before, so I'd love to hear his point of view on it. Yeah, I will try to um, 
call you back when I can reach him. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to hear his point of view. More than just a blog post somewhere, I'd like to hear what makes it and how is it used in occultic? You know, what what makes it occultic? I'm curious about that. It's supposed to be a vessel for the spirits to have access to our world, if you will. But I'm going to try to call back okay. when I can get him on the line. Well, let me it's pretty interesting. I don't know which way to go with let it. Let me speak to that for a second. Um, let me speak to that phrase. And again, maybe your son didn't say this exactly, but there is no need for any evil spirits to have access to this world. They already have access to it. Um, so they don't need a salt lamp to do that. The, the demonic realm is real. Demons are already in the world. Uh, they so they don't they don't need this portal uh, if that's what this salt lamp is. There's no need for a portal because the demonic room is well. The Bible actually says that many antichrists have already come into the world, and we know that we're we're fighting a spiritual battle. So yes, get your son. I'd love to hear. Uh, maybe he can even point me in a direction. Let me see if somebody. Sometimes in these conversations, people will text in. Let me see if anybody texts in. Nothing yet. It's the first time I ever heard about it, um, and I'd love to hear that point of view. Because I've been looking online, and a couple of churches have um, agreed, surprisingly. Yeah. So I'm I'm just not sure. I know there's evil on there, but they're saying this is an easy way to have access to. Here, let's talk out loud here. Here's somebody's point of view. Let's see here. Uh, Somebody's point of view. This dumb pop-up is taking my attention away. Here's some of the purposes. This is not a Christian site. This is just someone's point of view of why to get one. It it provides ambiance. It provides negative ions and humidity. It is an aromatherapy tool. It is a mood lifter. It's a glowing lamp. So far, it's so good. It doesn't, this particular, um, you know, Middle um, Eastern religious site doesn't show anything like super um, spiritual about it, just really practical. So we'll have to do some research. Never heard about that before. Yes, and I will call you once I can get him. Okay, great. I look forward to it. Thank you, sir. All right, bye-bye. Thank you, Pastor. All right, bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Kevin, I'm trying to think of of something else. What would be a comparison um, that is, I mean, if Himalayan sea salt lamps are used to worship false gods, then we want to stay away from them. Uh, you text me something. Let's see. We're just thinking out loud. That got me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, a necklace is a necklace. Um, I guess it's what you believe in. Interesting. Some people think that they have, it, Himalayan sea, sea salt has some kind of cleansing property or um, when... I mean, I guess if you worship the earth, then you would be, this would be something that you worship. Huh. I love that. That's one of the things, you guys listening in, it's one of the things I love about this program is you never know. And you're going to learn something new. And I know that they're warm and inviting. I know Himalayan salt itself has properties that your body likes. Um, but of course, if you're using anything to worship false gods or you're using anything to draw you into, like, for example, if you believe 
and you believe it with all your heart that this is a portal for demonic spirits to come, then don't get one. No, don't do it. Like anything like that, like it, it's not something you would want. Um, and it's just better to stay away from it. But if it's just an orange glowing lamp uh, and you have Himalayan sea salt that you bought from Costco that you put on your food, I mean, it's it really becomes a matter of uh, what it what your what your conscience says on something like this. You certainly don't want anything uh, that would have some kind of a false worship in your house, for sure. Well, you hear the music. All lines are full. We're going to get back to you when we come back. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Shout out to everyone listening around the country, even around the world. Grace FM, Radio by Grace, you're listening live Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, Living Water Radio. Uh, You guys are listening one week delayed. You guys uh, here in Grace FM, you heard a spot inviting you to our Refresh Conference. Uh, We have almost hit the 1,000 mark, uh, which is, I think we've exceeded last year's number already. Uh, We expect about 1,000, over 1,000 people here for the Refresh Ministry Conference. It is not too late to register. It's not too late to come. Uh, the dates are October 5th, 6th, and 7th. Uh, the 5th is our big um, party that we're going to throw. It's a tailgate party. Uh, it is our servant appreciation party. We integrate now into Refresh, where we just value you, honor you, and uh, love you, and enjoy each other before we start the conference with the Word of God. Uh, and prior to that, we've got something special this year. We are holding a radio conference, radio conference. And what that is, is a lot of Calvary chapels primarily, but not exclusively, a lot of Calvary chapels um, own radio stations like we do, and we're coming together to encourage one another in the Lord and talk radio stuff. Uh, And that is also open uh, to registration. I don't actually know how they register on that. But here's the refresh info, calvaryco.church slash refresh. And if you really are interested in the radio, just email us or call us and we'll get you in contact with the right people. Um, But we're going to have a full week that week um, because we really believe in Christian radio and we really believe in serving our our, um, servants and ministers. It's not just the pastors. If you're coming to refresh and you're a pastor, we have a special pastor and pastor wife only gathering as well. We call it pastor's community. Only pastors and their wives are invited to this. We have over 200 coming already uh, to our special pastor's community. Uh, and and here's the thing, because there's you might be a pastor, you go to another church, and you got to understand something. We don't want anything from you. That our, We don't want, we're not going to try to sell you anything we're not going to try to win you over. We're not going to try to tell you how to do ministry, except in the context of our Bible studies. 
We just want to serve you, encourage you, have an environment where you leave refreshed, as is our heart. And I know, you know, pastors go to a lot of things and they're sales pitches or irrelevant stuff or whatever. This is not just for pastors. This is for everyone serving. Sunday school teachers, uh, you you serve around the church, cleaning, vacuuming. You want to serve. You, you're not sure and you want to serve. This is the conference for you. And really, it's not a typical conference. You'll see that when you come to the party uh, and we have fun together. All the information uh, is available for calvaryco.church slash refresh. You got to be here. It's unbelievable. And you can come. We got people coming from all over the country. You got to be here. We had people coming uh, from all over the country, uh, like Hawaii. Uh, we had somebody coming in for Hawaii, but because of the fires there, they have to stay back. So they're not coming now. Uh, and so, you know, there's people, life happens and situations happen. Uh, but man, it's going to be great. I can't wait. We're, we're going to, we're gonna, I'm looking for, even though I'm serving, I'm looking forward to it. So before I get on to the, uh, Jonathan, I'm going to get to you in a minute uh, in South Carolina. Great question. I want to answer it. I want to just back up a little bit from the first half of the program and talk about the salt lamps uh, and whether they're evil or not. Never heard that question before. Um, you know, that it's a first for me. But then somebody texted in, what about Ouija boards? What about Ouija boards? Now, this is a little different question because Ouija boards are used to actively consult the dead. And those are strictly forbidden. That 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 is crystal clear. So I would say this, if you have a salt lamp to, to consult the dead, then it's strictly forbidden. And when we start to put it in a context like that, then you'll be able to... Um, you'll be able to walk along this path to freedom. And interesting, there's all kinds of uh, points of view here, but the Ouija board is very obvious. And, you know, if a, a piece of salt with a light in it that emits an orange color is used in, in, in some way to consult the dead or to talk to the um, um, evil spirits, then no, you can't have one. It's a little different than the Ouija board because the Ouija board is only has one purpose. It is used to consult the dead. That's it. Whereas a lamp can be used in a lot of different ways. Uh, so I'm just talking out loud here. I mean, uh, I know somebody sent me this article here. I don't really have time. Um, I don't have time. Somebody puts them in the category with dream catchers and Buddhas as decorations. Uh, and, you know, dream catchers have a specific uh, origin to them of, of um, oh, Ed, you're losing words right now. Um, dream catchers come to us from Native Americans, uh, and they have a specific origin to them. And, of course, Buddha himself is a false idol. So I don't I don't know enough to say that a salt lamp is in the same category. Some might see it that way, but I don't know enough to say that. Um, so I just th I think the Ouija board question really clarifies, um, and it's it's a good thing. Three oh three 
690-3000. Jonathan, Charleston, South Carolina, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. uh, Thanks for having me on. I I just had a quick question about, um, you know, what it looks like to lead a household, like a Christian household, from a male's perspective. Okay. Um, uh, It's something, you know, I've heard all my life, you know, like, just love your wife as Christ loved the church. Yes. Um, You know, and, and... lead the household that way. But I, I, I just want to know, maybe get some insight on like your perspective on like a practical way to do that. Um, well, let's start, like, let's start with some like, obvious things. Um, in the early church, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. So those four things should be in your home because your home is a place of worship. And when it comes to our relationship with our wives, reading the Bible, talking about the Bible, enjoying one another in the Lord, um, listening uh, to the Bible together, praying together, um, obviously heading off and leading the home in church, following up, you know, after the church service, um, what the Lord gave your wife, you know, talking about the things of the Lord, Um, praying with your wife, praying for your wife. Uh, Those four things right away can be helpful, Um, and and they're necessary. They're helpful in the home because they're what believers continue in, not just at church, but in life. Um, I think of doing devotionals with your wife or reading books together about the Lord, like marriage, reading a marriage book together. Like uh, Mm -hmm. we did a seminar here a few years ago called... um, Oh, geez. Love and respect. Um, That's a great resource to learn how you, how to love your wife as Christ loved the church, and also your wife to learn how to respect you and honor you as a husband. Um, Another great resource that you could go over with your wife, super good, super biblical, is married and how to stay that way, and just talking about the things of the Lord with your marriage. Um, That set aside, you know, I, I think... I, I want you to think about what would help you lead your wife well in the things of God? What would help you lead your wife well in the things of God? Um, so let's try to let's try let's try to figure out a picture here and then I'll give you I'll give you a chance to respond. but let's see if we can compare this to something. Um, uh, what do you do for a living? Um, I'm in the insurance world. Okay, I, uh, I do like insurance claims. Okay, so like does that. your wife do insurance claims? No, she's actually a, a college recruiter. Okay, so like an admissions so, office. So like if you were to take her and create in her, create, help her to become. How about that? If you were to take what you do for a living and help her become a person that does the same thing as you do, what would you do? And I think um, as, as you, you don't have to answer that now, but yeah. I want to shift your thinking a little bit because obviously there's explanation, there's patience, there's love, there's uh, probably a lot of patience. There's putting up with failures and faults, acknowledging that she's not the same kind of an insurance adjuster that you are. Like you can think of all the different ways you would relate to her as she's learning your trade but she's still who she is. And your responsibility is not just to help her learn the trade, but your responsibility is to take her with you 
Uh, and, and so like, there's a lot of the, I think the, probably the key, the key thing would be patience because she's not you and you would just change your whole perspective, um, towards your wife. Like, it's not like training a guy that just came in from college. You're, it's your wife. So you're going to be patient with her. You're going to be instructive to her. You're going to listen to her. Um, and if she, she kind of goes off and goes, I don't want to be an, I don't want to be a, an insurance instructor. You have a challenge, right? Because now, you know, but this is, honey, this is God's will for us. We're, we're going to follow the Lord. I don't want to follow the Lord. No, you're going to, let's just pray together. Let's, like, like you're going to have challenges when she goes off and when she might have stumbles herself or temptations where you're going to step into her life and lead her. But that's, that's a few thoughts. What are your thoughts? What kind of follow-up do you have? Yeah, so I guess it's just like the the relationship aspect of it, because I've, I've done like youth ministry and stuff like that. So I'm I'm confident when I'm talking to like a student, yes, you know, and, and discipleship that way. But the, the marriage, I don't know, it's just, it feels so I don't know, kind of weird to me. How long have you been married? Trying to disciple my wife, uh, three years. It'll be three years in October, so next month. Okay, and so if you could share with us the root of why it feels weird to you, what? What exactly are you trying to describe? Um, I don't know. It just seems it feels different. Like it's not out of out of a place of um, uh, like leadership. It almost feels like we're in the, walking down the same path. Yes. I don't know how to yes. try to become that leader instead of just being like a colleague. If that, that makes sense. That's a really good observation um, because you're both. And it's not one to the exclusive of others. You're, and I would even say deeper than a colleague, you're, you're one in Christ. Right. You, you are partners in every sense of that word. You will always be partners. This will always take place in the sense of your love and care and concern and the, the, the beauty of marriage. But the advantage, so if you turn this around and you compare it to your discipleship of kids, that there, there is so much more of an advantage— of ministering to your wife because you can become more intimate. And I don't just mean physically. I mean, you you share deeply emotionally and spiritually with your spouse where there's a deeper honesty, there's a deeper vulnerability, and that's where the leader, leading comes in. Um, the leading comes in where a lot of times it's just initiating it. The leadership is actually initiation. Um saying, right. this is our home. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Um, it, is, it, it really has everything to do with initiation. But here's, the, here's what probably—and I love this. You, you, I'm glad you clarified for me. Leading in the home doesn't necessarily always feel like leading in the world, because it's very natural. And right. when your marriage is all that God wants it to be, and it's on that— so even the following, like, because if we had your wife on the line, he goes, you know, I just don't understand how to biblically submit to my husband. That's a hard thing for me. I just, I'm not the submissive type. However, I would answer a wife like that. I'm just like, you know, submission comes pretty naturally. It's, it's, it only really is an issue when we disagree. But when you're disagreeing with someone that loves you as Christ loved the church, there's a willingness to cooperate, which is really a form of submission where I'm like, hey, I love you and I trust you. Let's do this together. You don't have that advantage with the kids like you do with your wife. Right. Um, you can say that to the kids. Let's do this together, but it means something different. Um, 
and of course the age uh, as well. You you are a true adult leader and mentor to them. Whereas with your wife, there are a lot of similarities, and there are so many equalities where leadership's very natural. It doesn't even feel like leadership. You're just enjoying marriage, taking your wife to the Lord. You guys are going together, and that is leading in and of itself. Right. We've we've got this phenomena in Colorado. Are you a college football guy? I am. Yes, sir. You're talking about the prime effect? That's right. We've got this phenomena. Like, it is obvious. And this guy, when you watch this guy, you know, his— his greatest asset in leading this team is is they believe him like they believe him and he very, because he's played the game because he's been very successful they also see him as a colleague they see him as man this guy's lived our life we're going to follow him and i believe that's similar in marriage um you know it's not an exact it's, it's an imperfect picture but the kind of relationship that he's fostered with these kids so quickly has caused them to follow his lead. And yeah, sometimes he has to say something hard. You know, sometimes he has to, hey, we've got to really deal with this, or we got to really pray about this, or, you know, we, we can't let the sun go down on our wrath, honey. You know, whatever it might be. Sometimes it's hard, but most of the time it's not. Most of the time leadership is not hard or hard words. It's fun. It's exciting. Even in the you know business world, even in the church, leadership isn't always hard. But hey, sometimes it is, and we've got to be faithful to it. Right. Very true. So one last thing, and then I want you to think about this. Call me back in a couple of weeks, and let's okay. process this together. Okay. But let me, let me have you think about this as you hang up, and I'll pray for your marriage, and that's this. If you are in the Spirit, abiding in Christ, and you are, you could say today, Ed, I really think I'm leading my wife well. And it's okay to think that. And and we should. We should get to a place where like, yeah, Lord, I know I have room to, um, <clears throat> I, I know that um, I have room to improve. I'm not saying that we're perfect, but, but I, I think I'm doing well. I'm leading my wife. Then here's the question. Where are you leading her? Where are you guys? Because that's the result of your leadership. Right. Where are you? Where have you ended up? Where are you today? Are you in the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kind. Are you closer? Are you more intimate? Um, are you enjoying one another? Like there's a, um, this is such a great question. And this is where I think the book Married and How to Stay That Way um, will really help you because there's an inventory in the beginning. Uh, actually answering these questions. You're, you know what? I'm not going to let you hang up. Don't hang up yet. I'm going to find this book, and I'm going to show you some of the things he shares. Um, we use this book for marriages in crisis. We use this book for marriages that want to improve. We use this book for marriages that are just starting out. So let me open it here. And in the beginning, that he gives an inventory, and he basically... He basically says that marriage is all about intimacy. That's God's design. <clears throat> and here, here are the things. Do you pray with your spouse about personal issues in your life? Do you pray with your spouse about your marriage? Do you go to church and sit together? Do you talk about the things you learn in the sermon? Do you talk over the things you're learning about in your devos? Do you serve others together? Those are ways you can lead your wife. How about this? these? Do you talk over your day with each other when you gather together in the evening 
And I always like to add, do you even gather together in the evening? Uh, That's a good way to start leading. Do you freely share your opinions? Uh, Do you give encouragement? Do you receive encouragement? He's got a whole list of things that are ways to lead that really aren't like, this is where we're going, honey, but they're more lifestyle of, I'm going to lead you toward the Lord through these activities, and we're going to enjoy it because it brings us together. Gotcha. Yeah, that's perfect. That, that really helps because, you know, everyone always says you, you got to lead your wife, but they don't actually tell you how to do it or show yes. you how to do it. So this is very helpful. Yeah, that, uh, there's two pages of these questions. And then when you kind of go through these questions, you go, uh, because you you actually do them together. I, I ask, mm-hmm. I have them, I have you both in the room and you ask the questions and you scale, you give me an answer on a scale of one to 10. And you'll be surprised. Sometimes the wife says eight. She thinks it's really going well, but the husband says four. And it's like, whoa, I didn't know you didn't, th- you saw it that way. And then all of a sudden you begin to see the lights turn on. Hey, these are areas we can improve. And the whole rest of the book is about improving these areas. Mm. And one thing I like to do, let's just say I didn't say anything. Let's answer the whole question all over again. And I only had 30 seconds to tell you, this is how I would answer. Take out a piece of paper, draw a triangle. On the left hand, put your name. On the right hand at the bottom, put your wife's name. At the top of the triangle, put Jesus. If you really want to lead your wife well, start heading toward Jesus. And as she follows, she also is going to head toward Jesus. And what happens? You guys get closer to Jesus, but as you're going up the triangle, you're also getting closer to one another. And that's the key. Gotcha. That's really good. Father, I pray for this marriage. I pray for everyone listening in. It's a a question I know it's going to be super relatable, um, super relatable to many marriages. All of us, Lord, I've been all these years I've been married. I want to improve. I want to love my wife better. I want her to to be valued and honored and knowing that she is precious to you, Lord. And because she's precious to you, she's precious to me. Uh, And so I pray for my brother and everyone listening in. Uh, that we might rise to the occasion in the power of your Holy Spirit to love our wives as you love the church, uh, faithfully, self-sacrificially, pleasing the Father, thinking of of the church more highly than yourself, and on and on the list goes. So thank you, God, for the privilege of growing in this area. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Great question. That's that is such a insightful. I agree with my brother. We are told um, to love our wives as Christ loved the church, or to submit to our husbands. But the mechanics of it, we don't always have. Uh, and at, when there's a vacuum, sometimes we make things harder than they really are. If we just read the Bible and pray together, you'll see immediate improvement. And then we got all those other things. 303-690-3000. We're going to come back to Colorado. Danielle in Loveland, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hi, Ed. How are you today? I'm doing great. Great. I just want to say that your radio station has been a godsend. Um, I'm a prodigal child. Mm. I recently made it home and backslid for a minute, and your radio station actually brought me back down the mountain. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. So with that being said, and tears in my eyes, thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm sorry, let me catch my breath. Um, I was just curious about um, 
So I'm 44, and so, you know, I've wasted my way through life um, not doing anything with drugs. And now I've gotten focused and I've gotten myself a job, And um, but there's been a lot of time span where I have no savings. And I was curious if investing in the stock market, um, is it Babylonian? Is it complacency? How do you feel about investing in the stock market? For some reason, it rubs my heart wrong. Sure. Um, then you can't do it. Yeah. If it rubs your heart wrong, you can't do it. But in and of itself, investing in a company um, with the opportunity to to use the world system to increase your money is not a sinful decision. Um, It it can become sinful if there's greed involved or you want to get rich quick or you don't understand the value or there's a lot of ways it can be. If if it's against your own conscience, it could be sinful. But in and of itself— Investing, um, investing your resources in something that can bring a return with minimal risk uh, is not a sin in and of itself. I think even Jesus encouraged us to, um, when remember that unfaithful servant, you should have at least deposited this in the bank. Yeah, I'm so sorry for interrupting. I've always been very curious about that. I go, Lord, I don't have this one yet. I haven't understood it yet. And I was always curious if that's what that was referring to. Yeah, there is a system. Jesus talked about using unrighteous mammon for the kingdom of God, and there is a financial system, a world that we're, where we're in, where um, you know the if we don't understand how money works, or at least to some degree, then we may not be able to fully use it for the kingdom of God. You know, we we understand the significance of giving to the church and God's economy in that respect, but there's also a a sense of understanding how to use the world system in a way that will also profit the kingdom of God. But with the wrong motives, you know, for again, if you want to get rich quick, then yeah, that's wrong. If it if it gives you an uneasy feeling because it reminds you of gambling, then yeah, don't do it. If it if it's gambling, God, if you're doing it as a gamble, yeah, then don't do it. But if it's a part of a sound, uh, wise investment strategy, there's nothing sinful about that. Yeah, and I'm very uneducated in that area. So, I, you know, um, like I said, you know, I've been a runaway since, you know, the age of 15, so I never was educated anywhere in financial areas. And when I ask other people, there's not a lot of—I get a lot of resistance. And um, on top of it, it does it does just generally—money has always rubbed me the wrong way, period. Yeah, I, I get that. It's never motivated me, ever. Good. And um, so I kind of like— you know, it's always on my heart. I like, no, just trust God that everything's going to be okay, and that you know, just just leave it like that. Like, don't, don't, just stay out of it. You don't know what's going on with it. Just stay out of it. Because there's also that um, area of um, inadvertently getting caught up in something on sure. accident. You know, because you really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Just it's like true. when you know we buy a million cell phones and people are jumping out of the buildings in China and dying because of our consumption of cell phones. You know, we have no idea how what we're doing is reacting and, and, and on other people. Well, so. there's definitely something to be said about walking in wisdom, for sure, and asking God for wisdom on the decisions we make. But I would also caution that we have to be careful that we don't make everything a direct cause and effect. Uh, I don't quite, I don't know what people in China are doing or why they're doing it. I might hear media reports of some such, but I don't know. Uh, and because I don't know, I don't want to make life-altering decisions um, 
based on in um, what's not imperfect but incomplete information. Uh, and I also want to learn not to walk by fear uh, and anxiety because we are in this world. So was Jesus, uh, but we're not of this world. He gave a perfect example, which tells me I can get fresh wisdom of how to operate in this world, but not become part of it, uh, and even not become sinfully part of it, as he was able to do perfectly. We aren't, but I want to be careful in my own life. I don't want to have a cause and effect. I don't want everybody's opinions to sway me either. I need wisdom from God. Uh, and when you, you know, cell phones and people jumping out of windows in China, I can't make that leap because I really don't know. I have to make the decision based on, is this okay for you, Lord? Do I have a peace? Is it overtly sinful? And if it can pass those tests, then I just take a step of faith that it's okay to do this. So praise God, Grace FM has helped you, and thanks for calling. (laughs) God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Really good. I like that perspective. Um, I'm really thinking through how careful I need to be not to make everything a direct cause and effect because I don't know. And that's my problem. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's my problem. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding or my own opinion. And I do it all the time. And I need I need to pray that the Lord would deliver me. God bless you guys. Come out to service tonight. Genesis 41. I love this part of the Bible. And I love being with the church. I love studying together, growing together, singing together, praying together. We're going to be right back. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.